0: Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hey, little buddy. You lost? One chance encounter. He was at the train station. to just thought you'd bring him home and talking into keeping him. Tomorrow morning, we're we'll going to find out exactly where he belongs. BK. Dan, I love him. A miraculous story. Does he have a name yet? Yes, he does. Temporary guess. Help! Go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. The ball. Oh no. it's lost it. Sorry. The dog's already been taken. Whoa! I'm gonna go to work. So go ahead. Go on home. Hachi, what are you doing here? Been here all day? No, no, no. You just showed up two minutes ago. He's amazing. Every day. Hachi. Hey, Hachi. You don't have to wait anymore. He's not coming back. Based on a true story, one dog's loyalty inspired a town. Is that the dog that I've been here so much about? To discover friendship can last forever. Hello everyone, my name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here at Lighthouse. How many of you have seen that movie, Hachi? A Dog's Tale. I think we had the, you have the image for that? There we go. That's the movie. If you like crying, I would advise you <laughs> watch that movie. Uh, it's actually based on a true story about a dog named Hachiko from Japan. So Hachiko would wait every day for his owner to um, come back on the train. And uh, one day, his owner actually died at work and never returned. And so Hachiko would go back to the train station in the morning and in the evening every day for 10 years until he died. Eventually, he died. Hachiko's devotion to his owner was so inspiring. Not only did they do a movie, but they made a statue of him and placed it at the train station. And so if you go to Japan, you can actually see that statue. The reality is that type of devotion is rare today, isn't it? I mean, it's rare. That's why they do movies about it. They make statues uh, to represent it. I'm going to take a look at uh, someone we probably all know, Jennifer Lopez. How many of you know Jennifer Lopez? J. Lo, yeah, we know J. Lo. Uh, J. Lo had a lot of relationships. You know, that, that there wasn't a lot of devotion, either by her or by, by him, I don't know. But here's J. Lo with her first husband, O'Jani Noah, I think is how you say his name. They were married in 1997 and divorced just 11 months later. And then she started dating Puff Daddy or P. Diddy from 99 to 2001. Then she married Chris Judd in 2001. He's a dancer, choreographer, and they were married for only nine months. Then in 2002, she was engaged to Ben Affleck, the original Benifer. You guys know that Benifer? <laughs> but they called off the wedding in 2003. Then she started dating Mark Anthony in 2003, married in 2004. And they were married for seven years, but divorced in 2011. So then J-Lo started dating Casper Smart. He was a backup dancer, and they were on again, off again for several years, finally split up in 2016. And then there's rumors that she was dating Drake for a little bit in 2016. And then in 2017, she met A-Rod, Alex Rodriguez, and they got engaged, but eventually called off the wedding in 2021. And then she started dating, guess who? Ben Affleck again, uh, and they were married last year in July. And you know, our hope, my hope, is that they make it, right? I mean, poor JLo. I mean, I just like <laughs> I hope they make it, but unfortunately, based on their history, I mean, there's probably not a lot of probability there. These types of temporary, temporary relationships are all throughout hollywood right and even in the sporting arena too anyone's heard about this yeah taylor swift is dating travis kelsey i really hope they make it right or we're going to have a really good new album from taylor swift (laughs) seen some memes. I won't repeat them, though. (laughs) True devotion, like Hachiko. um, It's hard to find in this world today, but it's good. It's good when you find it. The early church found it. They stuck together through good times and then through bad times, through trials and persecutions, and we as a church, we as a church, Lighthouse Vineyard Church, we need to stick together, we need to be there for each other, to be devoted to one another. Our word for this year is com- commit. Yeah, you, you guys, some of you remembered that. <laughs> Let's commit. Uh, we uh, are focused this year on what it means to be committed. And mostly we've been focused on what it means to be committed to God. But we're starting a four-week series uh, today, which is focused on being committed to one another, being devoted to one another, just like the early church. You can turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Acts. Acts of the disciples. Um, That's where it's at in the New Testament. To give you context, this is the day of Pentecost, and the believers were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and the whole town showed up to find out what was going on. And Peter stands up, and he explains what has happened, how it was a fulfillment of Scripture, and then he preaches his first sermon, and he shows how the promised Messiah was Jesus. Jesus. So um, we're going to pick up in verse 37, Acts chapter 2, verse 37. When the people heard this, they were all cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The verse we're going to be focused on for this series is verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So that's what we're going to be covering over the next four weeks. What does it mean to be devoted to the apostles' teaching? What does it mean to be devoted to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer? So our sermon series is simply titled Devoted. Devoted. And today we're going to focus on what it means to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. Our message is titled, Devoted to Scripture. And I'll give us a couple of points. You can fill these in on your handout if you would like. But what it looked like, what it meant to be devoted to the apostles' teachings. But first, let me pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And that it's alive and active and living And it's well worth our studying and living our lives by it. So Father, I pray that your word would be active and alive today as we read it, as we study it. Apply it to our hearts. Holy Spirit, come we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you can fill this in on your handout. Being devoted to the apostles' teachings includes studying the scripture together. Studying the scripture together verse 42 they devoted themselves to the apostles teachings in the king james it says and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine so the apostles that are being referred to here are the original 12 disciples minus judas adding matthias but these 10 or these 12 men were with jesus from the very beginning So they walked with Jesus, they talked with Jesus, they listened to Jesus' teachings. So the apostles' teachings that are being referred to here are simply the teachings of Jesus. Now these teachings are recorded in the four gospels for us today, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but they didn't have that at that time. So this is what the apostles taught. They taught all the things that they had learned from Jesus. And the early church was devoted to meeting together to hear what Jesus taught through the 12 disciples. And they didn't do this like we do in America, just one hour a day on Sundays. Verse 46 says, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They met together every day. The early church was devoted to the apostles' teachings Now, where did they meet? Uh, In chapter five of Acts, it says, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. Here's an image, an artist's rendition of what that would have looked like. So this is on the temple mount, and they have the temple a little bit further over, and so these are the the courts, but you have this multi-tiered colonnade or porch where the disciples or the early church would meet. And so the disciples, I don't know if there was a little thing, a platform that they would stand on or not, but you can imagine that they would teach and all of those people could be sitting there in the shade, you know, from the sun, listening to what the disciples were saying. And I'm guessing you could hear a pin drop in the, in the actual temple there because they wanted to hear, they wanted to hang on to every word. And they did this every day. They met together every day, and they were devoted to it. The early church was hungry for the Word of God. I believe in America today, we've lost some of that hunger. You know, we, we have Bibles on our phones. We have emails that come in with Scripture. We have apps, right? We have in our houses, we might have... One, two, 12, 20 different Bibles and different versions and, and we can watch podcasts. And, and it becomes commonplace. But the reality is that the Word of God is powerful. It is special. And we should be hungry for it. Here's a video I came across of some, Ameri- uh, some Christians in China receiving their first Bible. Let's watch this. They're hungry for the word of God. And I would imagine that if we didn't have Bibles or access to Scripture, if we would receive it, we would probably respond the same way many of us would. But we lose that. We forget how special it is to have the Word of God. Many years ago, I was in South Sudan, and I was teaching uh, a leadership conference to pastors and leaders of churches. And we were in a, a church building um, I say it, you know, a church building, but don't think church building, think hut, you know, grass hut kind of a thing with, with dirt walls and open windows. And there were probably about 50 chairs in there, um, but there were about 150 people at this conference, and they were seating two to a chair in some cases, standing around the edges, leaning in the windows. And we taught, and it was hot, it was really hot in there, <laughs> and, uh, and we taught in there for three days. And uh, I had heard that one of the pastors had walked two days to come to this conference. And so when we would leave in the evening, many of them stayed and they just slept on the floor, you know, in the church building because they were hungry for the Word of God. They were hungry for it. And not all of them even had Bibles. So, I mean, it was like these are pastors and leaders that didn't even have their own Bibles. And we were preaching from the Word of God to them. But on the last day, we decided, hey, let's pray for the sick. You know, let's just, anyone who's sick, let's pray. And uh, what was amazing to me, about half of the church came up for prayer. And these were individuals that were like really sick. I mean, they had high fevers. They had dysentery. They had malaria. I mean, they had like, they were really sick. And they had been sitting there for three days. You know, something that would keep us in bed, right? They were there hungry for the word of God. Guys, I want us to be that hungry for Scripture and for the preaching of the Word of God. Sorry about that. Now, I've mentioned this before, but the new definition of attendance, regular attendance in church, is three out of eight weekends. So that means that one weekend, you know, a regular attender considers themselves a regular attender, comes once a month, and then the next month, they come every other week. Guys, we need to be more committed to hearing the Word of God preached than that. We can watch it online, and I get that. But there is something special about hearing the Word of God preached or taught together. You know? There's something special about that. And I get it. If you're out of town, if you're sick, I mean, stay home. By all means, that's why we have the live stream. But don't use the live stream as a crutch to say I'm still part of the church even though I'm not attending the church. We need to study it together. We need to listen to the word of God preached together. And parents, our children need us to be committed to bringing them to hear the word of God every week. If we bring our children to church only once a month, that's 12 hours of classroom Bible teaching a year. Our children need more than 12 hours a year, right? I mean, think about it, some of our kids can watch 12 hours of videos in one day, right? Let's just be honest. And and those videos, even though they're supposedly kid-friendly, they are influenced by a culture that is very anti-God. It's just true. And so, if we're going to counteract even a little of the programming that is happening in our culture, we've got to bring, be consistent about bringing our children to church. There are many more ways, other than Sunday mornings, that we can study the word together. One way is in our cross training classes and workshops typically, what I love about these is that we typically do 30 minutes of teaching and then we spend about 20 minutes talking about it in small groups. Because I don't give you guys a chance to talk about it, right, (laughs) on Sunday mornings. And those are some of my favorite times when I'm in those classes is when we do a teaching and then we listen to what other people are thinking or what they heard or what they know through scripture, you know, studying the Word of God. And so it's a great way to to get to understand the bible or to discuss the bible and we offer these classes and workshops throughout the year our next one we announced earlier is overview of the new testaments and i would just encourage you if you haven't taken a class or if you haven't you know taken this one sign up you can still sign up today and just spend four weeks discussing the word of god it's so great another opportunity is through home groups i know many of you are in a home group Home groups are great ways. Again, this is not like okay, we're going to have somebody just preach the whole time in a home group. This is again where we get a chance to talk about scripture together and in a safe place and hear what other people think. Uh, Another, and if you're if you're not in a home group and you would like to, uh, I think we have a sign-up sheet. Do we have? Yeah. So you can sign up for one. We'll we'll try to get you one starting uh, in January of next year. And then also um, Bible studies. When I was growing up, I mean, Bible studies were kind of commonplace. I don't know why, but you're like, oh, so-and-so is doing a Bible study at their house, or so-and-so is doing a Bible study. But you don't hear about it much anymore, do you? Like, I mean, right? Just like so-and-so hosting a Bible study. But um, last year, I think it was, one of our young adults wanted to do a Bible study, and so he just started one. He started meeting at Martin's, invited a few other guys, and they just started studying the Bible together. I mean, if you don't have one to go to, just start one. It doesn't have to have a lighthouse label on it, right? We're not the end-all, be-all here. We all have our own personal faith. So go, start a Bible study. Meet with somebody and study the Word of God together. Husbands and wives, try reading the Bible together. I know that is really hard for me and my wife to do, Uh, but try to do it. Try to read the Bible together. Parents, read Bible stories to your kids. I was highly impacted by my dad taking time to sit down with me at night and read a kid's devotional. I still have that kid's devotional book, but I remember it when I was, I don't know, eight, nine, 10 years old, my dad doing a, a Bible devotional with me. And I know that many of us this year, we committed to reading our Bibles through um, in a year. And uh, that's a great thing to do. But again, there is power when we read and discuss the word of God together. So, being devoted to the apostles' teachings includes studying the word together. The second point is this. It's very simple. It's just simply doing the word together. They studied it, but then they did it. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings Now, this can mean they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, right? They were devoted to the apostles, to the church, to the group. Like, we're going to be there every day. We're going to listen. We're devoted to the apostles. It can also mean they were devoted to the apostles' teachings, right? What was being taught. They were devoted to what was being taught. And I believe it actually means both in this case. They were devoted to the apostles, to the church, but they were also devoted to doing what was being taught. One example is in verse 44. It says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. So the early disciples started taking care of one another. This was most likely directly in response to the apostles' teachings, right? So one of those 12 Apostles was the Apostle John who wrote the book of John in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd uh, John. And he said this in the book of 1st John, verse three or chapter 3, verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. I want you just imagine the apostle John teaching this. Okay, he's standing in Solomon's colonnade. You know, you're up there. And again, this is John who wrote the book of John. So he was with Jesus. He was the beloved disciple. <laughs> like he, he, he knew what Jesus taught. And so I can hear him saying, if your brother or sister is in need, see Mary over here, she lost her house in a house fire. She needs food. She needs clothing. If you don't have pity on her, how can the love of God be in you? I mean, this would be very motivational, (laughs) wouldn't it? You know, John, the author of the book of John, is telling you, don't, Just listen, do what's being said. So they were devoted to doing what was being said, and they did it together. that's what I love. They did it together. Together, they took care of the needs of those around them. Now, one of those in the crowd at the beginning was James, the brother of Jesus. Now, we don't know for a fact, but Scripture would imply that James wasn't really a believer in his brother Jesus at the beginning. But later on, Jesus appeared to him after he rose from the dead, and James became a devout believer in Jesus, the Son of God, the Christ. So he, he was learning from the apostles' teachings as well, and later he became a leader in the early church, and he wrote the book of James. And in the book of James, he says this, I think that James was speaking from experience. He heard Jesus for for many years, but then he really had that epiphany that Jesus is who he said he is. And then he started doing what Jesus said, what John was preaching, what Peter was preaching. He started doing it with the church together and he saw the power in that, so much so that he internalized it and actually authored it and wrote it out in, really, it's a wonderful book, the book of James. The early church came together every day. They listened to the word of God, and then they did the word of God together. And I don't know about you, but it's always easier for me to do things, great things, together, right? We, we need the help, we need the encouragement, We need the motivation. Sometimes we need the accountability. We can challenge each other to do what Jesus said. We have, is it 17 or 18 people signed up for Costa Rica? We have 18 people who are signed up to go to Costa Rica. By the way, thank you. I know we were like at eight a few weeks ago, and now we have 18, so thank you guys so much for signing up for that. But mission trips are incredibly powerful when we do them together. Right? Now, just by show of hands, how many of you have been on a mission trip? Like, you know, you've gone with a team, you've gone somewhere. All right, now, show of hands, how many of you have gone on mission by yourself? Right? I did one time. It was really miserable, just so you know. (laughs) I, I did go to Africa one time Right after Pastor Stanley died, just to reassure the kids, you know that we were still here. Um, But it is not fun, and I didn't get a lot accomplished. Right? I didn't do a vacation Bible school. I didn't rebuild the gutters. You know, I was by myself. We don't tend to do some of these great acts by ourselves, but we will do them together. There is power when we do them together. Have you ever seen a Habitat for Humanity build done by one person? They, it could happen, maybe, but it might take a year, right, to happen. No, Habitat for Humanity builds are powerful because a lot of people come together and do it together. This past week, we had, it's kind of a crazy week, but we had the three fight nights on Sunday night, Monday night, and Tuesday night. And... Uh, We had dozens and dozens of people come to those nights and we interceded for Elkhart and we interceded against what is really Halloween is seen as a really friendly holiday, but there's a lot of dark spiritual activity that's happening behind the scenes. And so we fought against that. Um, And I'll tell you what, uh, we kicked the devil in the teeth and we did it together. We did it together. There was power in those numbers, it was so 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 cool. Um, Friday night we had our fundraising event. You probably saw the, the the pictures out there and the posters. And we have some things that we're still selling from that event called our Dream On fundraiser for these kids that are in that are orphans over in Africa. 105 kids that uh, need our help to be able to continue their education, and so. Just on Friday night, I think we had $35,000 that came in you know, towards this, which is amazing, yeah. But maybe more importantly, we had 62 children that we connected with um, sponsors that are gonna be praying for them and continuing to pay for their education throughout this next year. Um, and then so we still have a third or so of those kids um, that we would love to connect with individual sponsors. And if you're interested in that or if you're interested in just financially supporting, uh, stop by the Welcome Center afterwards and you can get connected or just buy a t-shirt or something. All of that goes towards taking care of these kids and keeping them in school this next year. But I'll tell you what, I have a heart for these kids. I've been going over there for 15 years. But Rose and I can only do so much to help them, right? I mean, if this was our mission only, those kids would be sorely disappointed because there's, we just can't take care of them. But when we do it together, when we come around, we've got over 100 people on Friday night, we can raise an incredible amount of money. But even, like I said, more than that, we can have people who are praying and connecting to these kids individually all of next year, which is amazing. We need to do things together. We need to do the word of God together. Not just listen to it, not just apply it to our lives, but join together and encourage one another. Here's your last point. When we do the word of God together, we get more done. It's just so, so true. (laughs) Matt wants me to put one more plug in for our work day on on Saturday. because Matt is a really good, you know, raker, but by himself. (laughs) But it is, we do it together, and it's so much better. All right, so being devoted to the apostles' teachings includes studying the Word together and doing the Word together. I'm going to invite Rose to come up here, my wife, and uh, she's going to lead.